Welcome to another episode of Ideaprov with Mike Pedersen. I'm here with Bonnie. Um, we met at work a while back, and uh, she's since moved on to a different company, but in our passing by through the conversations in the hall, we kind of always seem to come across some really good ideas as well in, in some of the meetings. So I decided to bring her on the show and kind of get a little bit of a taste of uh, what's going through her, her brain as far as the topic that we have at hand. So uh, Bonnie, how you doing? Take it away. Let us know how you are. Hey, I'm Bonnie. Um, I love what can happen when you get a group of passionate people together and generate ideas. So um, I was so excited when you asked me to be a part of this because first of all, I love what's happening. I've listened to a couple so far and they're amazing, um, but also it helps me to grow and be challenged. So it just seems like a lot of fun. Great, thanks for the intro, Bonnie. Um, so our topic today that kind of ran across my brain is I recently became a dad and now have a six month old. And being from, <laughs> being from a military family, like we moved around a lot. And I, I like to think that my parents kind of instilled a pretty good, um, what's, you know, mindset for travel, I guess, in, you know, throughout my life. And so I've always wanted to go places and do things. And of course, when you're in your 20s, you know, you always have, hey, I want to go travel the world and, you know, take over. Um, but then of course, you know, like you get settled down and stuff like that. So I want to see how these two mixed. So I was like, Bonnie might have some ideas. Now, initial first thought about this is it seems really easy to just schedule it, just plan it and just go, you know, and just say, Hey, I'm going to go on uh, 4th of July weekend or Labor Day or something like that. Pack up the kids in a car, you go on a road trip or whatever, or, or you go to the airport and fly. Uh, COVID being what it is, it's a kind of a different story right now, but um, is, am I making it too simple? Is it, is it really that simple or is it overcomplicated? I think, I think, yeah, I think there's actually two camps, right? I think there are the parents that kind of fall into that group of let's just pick up and go. We're just going to do this. And um, they just wing it and i think probably parents who have multiple kids maybe fall more into this category because they've been there done that a few times so they're totally cool just having to figure it out as they go um, and then there are the other parents that are like the planners right they have to have every single detail planned out they have you know backup clothes for their backup clothes and five levels deep of things to entertain and all of those things so i think it really depends on your personality type on what it's going to be but i will tell you um having two kids of my own and traveled quite a bit with them throughout the years however prepared you think you're going to be there's always something you miss so really if you're going to take on traveling with kids you just kind of have to have this mindset that you're going to have to just roll with whatever comes at you it has to be like you can't go into it so rigid thinking it's all just gonna be so smooth. You just have to be like, whatever happens, we're gonna just figure it out and we're gonna be okay with that. And we're not gonna freak out. <laughs> Sometimes it's really hard to do. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because I remember, I think it was maybe just back in January or so, it was, it went to the mall. And of course that was the first you know time out with at the time, maybe a two month old and you know, uh, my lady was in a store and 
you know, baby need to be changed and all those kinds of things. And so she looks at me and she's like, are you going to be okay? Like going to the bathroom and feeding her. And I was like, I'm gonna have to be okay. I was like, I can't just go the rest of, of my, you know, existence, um, you know, as a dad not doing anything. And so, you know, I, I took him, you took her to, you know, got changed, you know, we got, she got some, some milk and stuff like that. And everything was, everything was fine. And I think I, I agree with you in that it comes in a, in a two camp format because when I first went in there to go change, all the little stations were full. And I was like, okay, well, what do I do now? And I was like, all right, we'll just wait and you wing it, you know? And for me, like winging it isn't really a big deal. I think there's others in which it's, a huge problem for them to not be completely prepared all the time and I, I noticed like I wanted to be prepared but at the same time I also had the mindset that no matter how prepared like you said I am something's going to change like they're not going to want that and luckily she's at a really kind of easy age where it's just kind of like poop change you know feed like whatever she doesn't have a personality doesn't have a voice well um, oh, yeah. You know, and so it's, it's fine. But I'm thinking, like, how does this translate to far off places, right? So when it's not just a ride to the store, like, what happens? You got to be in the car for six hours. Um, what are those, like, I guess, tips and tricks? And how can people do this more to create more cultured children? Yeah. So I do definitely think it's worth the effort. And um, I have one of those kids who has screamed for an entire plane ride for five hours straight. So trust me, I know what it's like to be dealing with really challenging kids in the middle of traveling situations, but it's still so worth it because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want my kids to live in such a small bubble that they don't know what is out there and what the possibilities are. And, you know, I've just seen from, I have a lot of siblings too, it's just a random fact, but um, some of my siblings have traveled a ton and some of them have not traveled barely at all. And just their world perspectives are so different. So I just, I don't want my kids to be so sheltered from that, that they, they can't get a, a better perception of what's really out there and what's possible for them. So bruised shins aside, <laughs> um, it, it is definitely something worth doing. Now, with that said, I think if you are going on a longer trip, like a longer car ride or a longer plane ride or kind of any of those things, you probably do want to take a minute to plan out at least a couple of lines of defense against meltdowns or kind of how you're going to make this work. Um, so we started flying with my son when he was about two years old. He had just turned two and we did a cross country flight from Tampa to Seattle. And I was so nervous about it. I was super prepared. This was my first kid. So I'm like, every box is checked. Everything is perfect. A friend of mine had told me that, um, you know, at that age, cause you have to buy them a seat at that point, they're past the age of two. Um, you can actually install their car seats on an airplane, which was brilliant because my son had already been used to traveling in his car seat. So this was normal. He knows when he's in his car seat, he can't get up. So we thankfully bought him his own seat. We installed his car seat. He, he knocked out. It was like the easiest thing ever. I thought I am winning at this parent thing, right? I have got this on lock. I am amazing. And then baby number two comes and they always get you. <laughs> so same flight, well, different flight actually. We were coming from San Francisco to back to Tampa. 
and um, she was 18 months old. So my brilliant mind is thinking, cool, we're gonna save some money. I'm not gonna buy her a seat. Now let me, everybody knows their kids. Some kids are super chill, right? They can be totally fine sitting in your lap for five hours. This does not happen to be the personality of my daughter. She is super antsy, super opinionated, even from one week old, like she's gonna let you know what's up. So I should have known this, this I should have known. Um, so we get on this flight and I have her sitting in my lap and I'm flying solo, which another really poor decision on my part in this specific scenario. So I have my son sitting in the middle seat, I'm sitting on the end and my daughter's in my lap and there is a stranger sitting by the window, Lord heaven help them. And she just wasn't having it. She didn't want to sit down. She did not want to be seated the whole time. She didn't understand why she couldn't run up and down the aisle. There was nothing that was indicating to her poor little brain that we have to sit here. You know, like that, that car seat had provided for my son. She wasn't having it. So she continued to melt down for the entire five hour flight. So even when they're underage, from my perspective, if you have a really feisty kid, the car seat's a good option because again, it just kind of, they, they already are trained to that. They know that, hey, when I'm in my car seat, that means I'm gonna be here. So um, doesn't help necessarily for all kids, but I really, I wish I would have done that because it would have saved me so much pain and suffering. Um, and another thing, I had another mom trick. A friend of mine, she had a very challenging daughter as well. So she got smart ahead of time. She made little goodie bags for all the passengers around her. And I had a little note saying, I'm not very good at flying. I'm sorry if I get fussy. Here's some things to help you. And she included earplugs, like candy, like a voucher for some alcohol, like whatever she could think of, you know? Like, Stop it. That is brilliant. It was so brilliant. I wish I had thought of it before I got on that crazy flight with my daughter. Um, because then even if they do melt down, at least you have a little bit more empathy from the people around you. Um, so they're not as inclined to get frustrated with you. Yeah, I'm just thinking because I think everybody's been there where you've had that crying baby on a flight that, you know, and you can feel the anxiety level of the mom because she feels like all the eyes are around her and, and, and you, you just kind of cringe. And for me, it's never been a huge deal. Like, I just look at it like, that's what babies do. Like, they, they can't really communicate. It's fussy. They don't want to keep still. And uh, luckily for me, I, I've never really had a trouble sleeping. So as soon as I get, on the, flight, yeah, like, as soon as <laughs> yeah. I get on the flight, they're in the middle of talking to me about my seatbelt. And then next thing you know, we're landing. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I just knock out. So, you know, crying babies or not, it's fine. Um, but I, I, I think that preparedness is, is huge for, for people. Um, I think the empathy as well is just kind of putting yourself in that shoes and be like, what are you going to do? Like their ears hurt and they're just constantly, you know, upset. Now you kind of go back and you're like, well, it's worth it. Right. And so I kind of want to touch on that. And in your experiences, like have you noticed anything from your kids in particular that has kind of opened their mind or um, have you seen instances in which they've it seems like they have really kind of um, be pulled into the idea of traveling or seeing and experiencing different locations and, and people and that type of thing? Yes, for sure. Um, so we have moved around a bit pretty much since my kids were little. We started in Tampa, moved to Seattle, then moved to California, then moved back home. 
So we've gone in a big circle, but they've lived in a couple of different places now. And everywhere we were, like we always had these trips that we would take and adventures. And it's really cool because it does, you know, your kids learn from your example. So if I'm showing them that, hey, you know what? It is attainable for you to go out to different parts of the com- country and set up your life. And it is attainable to start over again. And it is attainable to work hard to get something different if you don't like where you are. Or it is attainable to go explore and not be afraid of the world around you. Um, My son actually from all this has grown an obsession, an absolute obsession with airplanes. Um, Matter of fact, it's so funny, as much as my daughter hates flying, he actually gets upset when we land. Like we could be flying all day and he does not want to get off the airplane. So now when he grows up, he wants to build airplanes because he's just so fascinated by them. Yeah. And, you know, we lived in Seattle for a while and so we were close to Boeing. And so his dream now is to grow up to go build airplanes for Boeing. And, you know, that's not something that probably would have ever even crossed his mind had we not gone and had we not lived there for a little while and had him experience different things. But I think, you know, this world can be pretty intimidating. And I, if like, again, kind of referencing some of my siblings, they are almost sometimes a little bit too afraid to try something or a little bit too afraid to get out of their comfort zone because they just, they don't know what's possible. And when you go and you kind of see different ways that people do things, different cultures, different ways people live, I think it just opens up your mind so much more to number one, be brave in your own life, but also have more understanding and empathy for other people around you. Um, another really cool example of this is, you know, my son, now that he's getting a little bit older, he's almost eight, and he's starting to understand that not everybody lives the same way. And there's actually something really beautiful about that. And so it's so cool to watch him because he's starting to get more curious, like asking questions. And his big push now is he wants to go to Europe because he hasn't been yet. And um, I want to wait till he gets a little bit older because I want him to remember these trips when we get there. But just that curiosity and, and the, the drive to understand other cultures and kind of what's out there, I think is awesome. And I think it's going to serve him really well in his life, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that like curiosity is huge for for little kids, I, I remember, you know, for me, my dad spent years in the Air Force. And so when you live on a military base, everybody's majority of the time from a different place. Either they're from a different place or they've lived there for some period of time. So when you go into classrooms, it's, oh yeah, where were you at last? Oh, I was in Okinawa, Japan, and I was in Bitburg, Germany, and I was in so-and-so-and-so. And unfortunately for me, I, can't, I was the, the, the youngest one, so I didn't get to experience the international side. I was more, you know, I came along a little bit later. Um, well, I guess I was there, but it was, you know, I was months old, so I really, you know, I have like it doesn't glimpses. count. Yeah, it doesn't really <laughs> yeah. count. You know, I mean, I claim it counts because it's kind of cool, but yeah. Um, but I always thought that that was the coolest thing, and I would hear, I would see, you know, my dad tell stories about when he was over in different places, and they have different festivals, and they, you know, listen to different music, and like you were talking about, they live a different way, and so I remember when I was a child, everything as far as the world would feel really small, I guess. You know, everything felt like it was, you know, right on the other side of the on the other side of the, the lake was, you know, a different country, you know, and it wasn't until I got older that I realized that a lot of people just didn't really think that way and didn't really uh, 
choose to, I guess, bring up their siblings or children that way in the same thing. Um, I remember I went to high school right down the road and some of the people there, their entire family was in a 50 mile radius. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's foreign to me. I was like, you, like, none of you guys have been out? And they're like, no, the farthest I've been has been like Gainesville for a football game. And I was like, there's a huge world out there full of like different customs and food and all that kind of stuff. And it, I was like, there's, that could never be me or my child. Like I, like, I want them to just be, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm 18, 21, whatever it is. If they go decide to go to college, hey, I'm gonna go work in, you know, Sweden for two years and then I'm gonna go to, you know, Shanghai for whatever. Like, do whatever it is that you wanna do and it's it's huge. Now, I get it with traveling with children is a little bit different, but I don't see why it has to be. You know, I think that the family culture thing that you were talking about though really plays hugely into this because um, my grandmother, is a world traveler. She's been just about everywhere you can possibly think of, some most places twice. So she offered us this incredible opportunity when we were in middle school. She took all of her grandkids to Scotland, which is our family heritage. That's so, they're big into this. So um, with the goal of, this is our first international trip. We were all old enough to hopefully remember these things that we're doing. And again, she wanted to expose us that there's a whole different world outside of Florida and Tennessee and Georgia, which is pretty much where we were traveling all the time, you know? And it was so eye-opening for me that it's like you get bit by that travel bug and that's it. Like, this is the coolest thing. And um, so much so that influenced me throughout high school. When I was in college, I actually did a study abroad program like in Wales, which was really cool. So it just, Again, I, I don't think that I would have been brave enough to pursue things like that had I not kind of broken past that barrier with somebody who was knowledgeable enough to show me, this is how you can do it and be good. And this is how, how things work when you travel and let me show you the ropes and then go, you know? So, I, I but again, it's like that culture. She loved to travel. She passed that down to her daughters. So my mom and my aunt, they love to travel. Now I love to travel. And again, I'm trying to do that for my kids, which already my son is like all about. So I just think that it's something so important that we can offer our kids that even though we may have really bruised shins and be sweating completely from head to toe after a five hour meltdown on a plane, um, but it's worth it because again, it starts to shape who our kids are gonna be one day. And I don't know, just whatever I can do to remove those barriers from them limiting themselves or limiting how they see the world, I think that's my job, right, as their mom. For sure, I, I think like the parental figure has such an enormous impact. Or, I mean, you can almost say the almost the only impact for majority of their you know, young lives, you know, and to open them up to show them that there's so much out there is, you know, I, I think it's it's you create those limitless possibilities, and I think. One of the things that I feel is, was huge is if you create those limitless possibilities from a geographical standpoint, then it starts to open them up from a, well, if I can do all, if I can go all these places, what can I be in life? I can be anything that you want because the, the entire world's out there. There's 
eight billion people that you know I can potentially interact with, or you know if they want to, you know, as far as a career path or side hustles or hobbies or something, whatever that may be. Or influencing the world, exactly. That's like you know my son with this idea of going to work for Boeing. He would have never even known that Boeing existed if we had always stayed in Florida. It wouldn't even be on his radar. So he wouldn't even know that it would be a possibility to do something like that. Now, is he actually going to go to Boeing one day? I have no idea. Maybe. Maybe he'll start his own company. Who knows? But the fact that he isn't limited to I'm going to live in you know, this area of the United States and this is going to be my whole life and these are going to be where my dreams are contained. You know, we've already moved that barrier. So it's just exciting because then they literally can grow into whatever they want to do. Yeah, I think one of the the coolest things for me personally is my niece um, just graduated high school a little while ago and I jump on a a flight to go for her graduation and go out to Arizona where my brother lives and then up to Idaho where she graduated from and one of the, it was the smallest thing but just watching, for example, like the vegetation, like I was watching a kid on the other side who actually took the same flights that I did. And I remember just listening to him, you know, and he was like, mommy, like, look at the trees. They're they're so much different in Arizona than they are in in Idaho. And and of course his eyes are just lighting up because he's like, well, what state are we over now? And she's like, maybe, Colorado, maybe, you know, like Nevada or something like that. He was like, well, I thought it was, I thought it was a desert in Nevada, like Las Vegas. And she's like, well, not all parts of Las Vegas or, you know, there's other parts of Nevada and the trees are different. And, you know, of course you get, you see more evergreen trees the farther you get north and then on the the south in Phoenix. And it was just like his eyes lit up because he was like, it's just like in the books in school. And I was like, you know, if you open, if you open those kids' minds up to these things, like they're going to be so much like we're so juiced about it I guess you know so like engage there's more passion for whatever and you can tell like he was just like staring out the window non-stop for like an hour you know watching he's like oh now it looks like a little patchwork like a quilt and you know <laughs> because of all the farms and and I was like this is the stuff that you miss when kids don't travel you know they can and the thing is you can see it you can you can hear about it you can watch it on tv but actually seeing it for yourself is something completely totally different yeah and it doesn't even have to be like these huge flying across country trips like maybe that's not something that's feasible right now but it's it's just as good to get in the car and drive to somewhere you haven't been some, before, you know? Um, when my kids were really little, uh, and again, flying was kind of a rare thing just because it's hard <laughs> with really little kids. You know, uh, thankfully at the time uh, we lived in Seattle, which is a beautiful area of the country. And there's just so much that you can drive to around there. And I think that probably every place that you live offers something, you know, some new adventure, something that you haven't seen before that you all can discover together. And, you know, it's great for your kids and there's so many benefits like we've talked about, but it's also good for us as parents because there's so much joy from watching your kids discover things. And also it kind of reminds you to save her life a little bit yourself because, you know, we get so busy and we're just trying to survive. I mean, parenthood is hardcore a lot of the time, you know this now. Um, Exactly. So it's really easy to kind of slip into that survival mode. I'm just going to get through this. I'm just going to survive it. 
but taking them somewhere and watching that awe and watching their brain kind of turn on and that passion be born out of them, like it, it's contagious. And so you start to feed off each other. And I just think that it's, it's such a good, fun, like healthy thing for a family to do together. Now, before you traveled, did you ever kind of, I guess you could say like prime your child's, your children's brain about like, hey, you know, these were going to X and X place. They have such and such there, or um, we're going to go to this place while we're there to kind of pique their interest to, to get them to make it easier when you do travel. Did that help or? For sure. And again, I think this goes back to, you know, as a parent, you kind of know the personalities of your kids. Uh, my son is a planner. He wants to know what's going to happen so he can get his mind wrapped around it. And once he knows that, then he can process it and then he can enjoy it when we get there. Whereas my daughter is like wild child flat by the seat of your pants. You don't have to tell her squat. She's going to be fine. So um, I think it really goes back to that again, kind of playing off of it. But I do always try to build up that excitement ahead of time because that's part of it too, right? I want to enjoy that process. I want them to enjoy that process. Whenever we go on vacation or we have a trip planned, it's something we can talk about and we can dream about. And you know, all now that my kids are older and they can have their own voice, I have them participate. So they feel ownership in what we're doing as well. Um, you know, we may research it a little bit and be like, okay, this is the area we're going to go to. What do you guys think we should do? And then, you know, maybe have them choose something. So then it feels like it's their vacation too and their their journey as well and they usually get super excited about it um so you know i think that it's never a bad thing to add that build up right you just have to be careful how much you talk to about it if you build it up too far and then you get there and they're like mom this is lame this is boring. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go this is not at all what you said it was going to be you right. know She's <laughs> so. like, this is so for you Exactly, exactly. So, but yeah, most of the time it works pretty well for us, you know, if we talk about it a little bit, just enough to kind of get that excitement and, you know. I mean, because one of the things that really, it's, I don't know why it stuck with me, but it was an excellent job when I was, when I was first grade, second grade, was we used to go to Jamestown when we lived in Virginia. And I actually memorized some of the, I guess Jamestown people's speeches because we went there so often. And <laughs> I don't know why I did, because we went three, four years in a row. That, that's what happens, right? Um, and so there's some new kids that went and they had never seen it before. Um, but I'm thinking, do you think that that would help if, like, because you're talking about the planning, right? So you get them engaged in the planning so that way they can, they can do it. Um, but what they used to do with us was like have like a little scavenger hunt around the, the thing so that way it like keeps the mind engaged and keeps them finding things. Um, now I, I knew where the majority of the stuff was by the third year that I went there and so I'd get done early and then go to the candy tent. Um, but you know I'm just thinking like would that be a good solution or do you think that that would potentially take away from them creating their own experience and memories? I think it could be either. And I know that's probably not really a great answer, but perhaps like, well, so there's this place, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I don't know if you've ever been there. That was so, where my, my niece graduated from. Really? Dead oh, serious. I love it there. Yeah. It's so beautiful. So they have this book from a local artist called Mudgy and Millie. 
And if you go through downtown Coeur d'Alene, there are Mudgy and Millie. There, it's a moose and a mouse. There are statues all through downtown that correspond with the book. And so we actually, when we lived in Seattle, we picked up the book um, from one of our driving. We actually drove to Montana. It's a long story, but anyway. So we picked up the book when we stopped through Idaho and my son fell in love with that story so much. It was like one of his favorites that were like, well, you can do this. Like you can actually follow the book around town where all the statues are. We should plan a vacation for this. Nice. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we did. So we went and we stayed actually in Coeur d'Alene. Um, actually, I think we stayed in po Spokane because it's a little bit cheaper, but it's like right there, you know. And so, um, and we we spent two days finding all the different stops of the Mudgy and Millie statues, which is basically like a scavenger hunt. And it was really such a cool thing because it took us all over town. Um, and it, my son was super engaged. He couldn't wait for this trip. And it had this connection for him that was something he could relate to, even though he was pretty young at the time. I mean, he probably was three, but this was like, the most exciting thing ever. So um, it's one of my favorite vacation memories. So I do think that something like a scavenger hunt or something that's more their level um, could be really awesome and engaging. Now, what also was really good about that though is we stayed there for a week. So it wasn't just about the scavenger hunt. That was how we got there and we got engaged and we kind of got to get the lay of the land of where everything was. But we still had time to do other things too. Um, so I think I think probably a mixture of both would be really good, but anytime you can get kids engaged with games, it's usually a win. <laughs> yeah, it's usually a win, like just the little thing, you know, counting signs or whatever the case may be. Playing an alphabet game was, was always a, a big thing in our car rides. You know, I used to find, you know, Apple Falls or whatever. Ooh, I got the A, and then, you know, you kind of keep it moving, but it used to occupy us for a long time. Um, I know another trick that was really helpful for us was, um, there was a book on tape, right? For those road for those road trips, which was huge, and it was a, it was a kids book, and I think maybe I checked it out in the library, but I remember to this day it was Hank the Cow Dog, and it, and it was his like his trials and tribulations about this farm. You know, I think one time he you know saved this raccoon, another time he got in a fight with a bear, uh, and it was just these these chapters and episodes, and I remember at first. My dad was driving and he, I could see on his face, he just was like, Am, is this really happening right now? Like yeah. I'm, I'm on a road trip <laughs> with my kids listening to whatever. And oh, then boy. after like the first couple of stops, we started playing some music and then he just switched it back. And he was like, I, I think I want to listen to this. And it, it became a, it became this thing. And like, even to this day, when we get together for, you know, holidays and Thanksgiving, if something triggers it, it'll be like, yep, just like that story of Hank the cow dog, you know? And like See? the entire family That's has awesome. a great laugh about it. And everybody knows what we're talking about. And it's just those memories that you can't, you can't take those away, you know? Like anytime, it, it's like anytime I hear anybody's name of Hank, it, it flashes in my brain. And it's, it's a warm and fuzzy, and it's like you can't, you can't help but have those memories when you go traveling. And if you didn't, it, it's, it's not gonna be the same. Exactly. There's always good stories. And you know, and that goes back to the idea too that you, may, you probably don't even have all the answers of what's gonna work best for your family. And you're gonna sometimes just fall into something that is gonna be this amazing family legacy of all time. Just like your story, right? It's the same thing, you know? It just, sometimes you fall into these things, sometimes you plan them, um, but 
I think just getting out there and trying and experimenting with it and not being afraid of meltdowns in public because it's going to happen. Let's just be real. It's going to be a thing. Prepare yourself mentally. If you have to have a good cry about it, it's okay. I was crying on by the end of my five hour flight. We were all crying. It was fine, you know, <laughs> but we survived. And um, we still got really good memories out of that trip. So I wouldn't change anything. Um, so I think it's just more of like, as a parent, you're mentally prepping yourself of things could go horribly wrong and I'm going to have to be okay with that. And if you kind of go in with that mindset, then it usually turns out just fine. Because even if somebody does have a meltdown, you're already ready for it. So it's not a big deal. What, who cares if everybody's staring at you? You're not going to die. It's going to be fine. <laughs> so, you just got to own it, right? You just got to own exactly. it. Exactly. Like, this is what's I happening. I am totally that person yeah, right I'm now. I'm totally yep. that person. Like, my child is having a meltdown. You can see my child is having a meltdown. I can see that you can yep. see my child having a meltdown. Yep. Like, this is parenthood. Like, what do you... What, it's, yep. not, it's not all peaches, hugs, not and kisses. Not a thing I can do about yeah, it. Yeah, there's nothing exactly. can do. So, you know, I think, I think that's a huge component of it, of just owning the process of being kind of a parent and realizing that you're better off to your child, in my opinion, to show them the world and and bear the meltdowns rather than shelter them and never have them experience those those moments. Excellent. So I'm thinking to, like to bring it all together there's a couple of things that we definitely need so that way we can help families travel more. So one is to think ahead, right? So you definitely have to plan. So whether it's like the car seats or the goodie bags, whatever the case is, you know, find ways that you can make the actual traveling portion as smooth as possible, right? Know your child so that way you can kind of get them involved in the planning process because if they're involved then it's going to feel like they have a little bit of buy-in a little bit of say that's probably going to reduce your meltdowns for the most part you know because they're going to know what's happening explain to them how that's going to it's going to that's going to go and then the last part which is just going to be there's no way around it right and i know it's tough because like on the show i want to give people like a like a rough solution, like a, like a blueprint to do it, but like every family is going to be different. And so I think this is just going to be a courage thing where you're just going to have to say, I'm going to own it. I have two, three, one kid, whatever the case may be, but I'm going to show them that there's a huge world out there and we can, we can build up to it and they can go experience everything from there. It's, you know, you're going to have some things, but I think like, like we talked about, if, if you kind of plan ahead, know your child, have some snacks, you know, Cheerios yes. or whatever the Always case have is. food. <laughs> Always have food. Know where the restrooms are. Uh, yeah. um, then I think we can, we have a, a pretty good solution or a pretty good start to be able to get out there without too much issues. Well, that was, that was a great session. Um, so I want to be respectful of, of Bonnie's time and I want to make sure that she gets her, her moment here. So as far as like a co-creator, um, like a shout out segment, what's been on your mind? Who do you want to kind of talk about? What's been kind of going through your mind recently? So um, kind of what's been on my heart recently is I've actually been getting involved um, through my church in a program to support families that are fostering. And what's really interesting about this is, you know, 
I think it's pretty common that we all hear about supporting foster kids and this is so important and a lot of people get intimidated by this because they're like, well, I can't foster, you know, I don't want to take that on. That's a huge responsibility. And, and so they just assume that they really can't do anything, um, which honestly is where I was for a really long time. But I've always kind of felt like I wanted to help, even if maybe fostering wasn't the exact fit for me. Um, so I was introduced to this idea of a care team which I think is brilliant. And what it is, is we get a group of people together who all wanna volunteer and we all sign up to support a family that is fostering. So they're equipped, they have the tools, they've been through the training, they're able to foster. So let's support them in that. Um, there's a bunch of statistics out there. I wish I had memorized them, but I didn't. But basically the difference between a family who's fostering that has support around them um, are significantly more likely to continue fostering past the first year compared to those that don't have any kind of support system. So, you know, we hear all of these nightmare stories out there about abuse and about people in the foster care system taking advantage. So if, when there are really good families that are fostering, if we can set up these little communities around them to do things as simple as, like for mine, I cook them dinner once a month. Um, I'll offer to watch their kids one night a month just so they can have a date night. And you know, when you get a team of seven people around them, well, that's seven nights out of every month that they don't have to worry about cooking dinner and they can focus on whatever stuff they need to do for their kids. Or they can get a break and have a, a date and be a married couple and work on their marriage so that their marriage is strong enough to handle whatever. Um, so it's been such an eye-opening experience for me. And I, I feel like, this idea is so brilliant because again, it's not asking a lot of me. It's not asking a lot of anybody who's on the care team supporting them, but the benefit to this family, which ultimately is a benefit to these kids is huge for something so simple. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I have honestly never heard of that. Like that is, like you said, that is a brilliant idea because I'm, I'm thinking like you're talking seven nights a week, even if it's three or four nights a week, whether that's cooking dinner or, you know, just giving them that, that time off and that space. Um, help running errands. Help running errands. I mean, whatever they need. Yeah, just whatever that they need to, to be able to kind of make things work. And, you know, I've, I always feel like my heart always goes out to, to those families or, or, or parents that aren't able to have children their own. And so, you know, they might not want children maybe full time you know, but they still want to help. And they're like, well, I've always wanted kids, but I'm not necessarily want to adopt and or foster. So how do I bridge this gap? So I think that's a huge, you know, win for some of those folks as well. And not to mention the foster families, like being able just to have, you know, a night out, a day out and not to feel like they have to do everything on their own all the time, you know? Exactly. They can call when they need help. They have a whole team of people around to support them. You know, a lot of people, they, when you think of fostering a child, everybody automatically goes to, okay, there's going to be a lot of behavior issues. Potentially there is, and there is going to require a lot of extra effort and a lot of extra patience and work with that child to help them feel safe, to help them grow, to help them learn to be a part of the family, depending on whatever their background is. But it's not just that, like foster parents also have to deal with extra court dates and extra social worker visits and extra doctor's appointments way and beyond what a normal parent-child relationship would have. So the burden of fostering a child is so much time and effort to spend to be able to support these kids that sometimes something as simple as making dinner is just, it's just an extra thing that, you know, 
if we can remove that stress, then they can focus on the fact that, okay, we have to meet with the social worker. So let me get prepared for that. Or, you know what, my kid's having a really tough time right now. I really just need to sit with them. I need to be with them. I need to, to just be quiet with them and have space for them to feel whatever they're going to feel. And they can do that and not worry about, I got to go cook dinner. Yeah. It's like so, either cook dinner or do homework or whatever the case is. Exactly. But the other cool thing about this is, um, like you were saying, if you're in one of those opportunities where you want to get more involved, I've had a couple of people who have signed up to tutor these kids or to sign up to be a mentor as part of their care team. So they are actually meeting with the kids themselves um, once a week to just have somebody else love on them. Um, another really cool thing is I had a friend of mine who signed up to be a mentor for an older sibling who was not one of the foster kids, but obviously they have impacts in this as well. So if you can feed into those older siblings as well, they can help support the foster children and the family better too. So it's, it's a holistic view of the entire family and you just try to support and prop all of them up because then you'll have much better outcomes in the end for everybody yeah, involved. And you can try and, I guess, I don't want to say squash, but like mitigate any of those, you know, abuse or behavioral issues or anything like that. And then for those that might not have any of those and just need a, a good, comfortable, nurturing place to grow up in, like it's, it's perfect because then, the, you know, the parents and the family don't feel the stress of having to kind of keep everything together and be, I don't want to say perfect, but. They feel like they have the strength to continue doing it too. They're not so burnt out by everything because it's really hard. I mean, it's it's so tough. I I cannot. I'm just in awe of some of these parents who can take this on and do it so amazingly gracefully. So whatever I can do to support them to continue to do that, you know, it's it's been such a blessing for me. And the other cool thing, since I'm myself also a parent, I have my son help me cook dinner. And I have, I explained to him what's going on and he goes with me to help me deliver. So he's kind of, again, also being exposed to this and understanding that, you know, we don't all come from the same backgrounds. Um, so it's been such a good experience for him too. And that wasn't something I even actually planned on. It kind of just happened by accident. Um, but it's been, it's been amazing. So yeah, those are those heartwarming moments that you like, like you said, you, like you don't plan on it. You probably never thought about it, but at the same time, it can be, it, it's kind of instilling in your children to kind of like give back to the community, like give back to people that might not necessarily, I don't like to use the word like less fortunate, but um, that are just in different circumstances, right? You know, and so you lend a helping hand when you can, and that helps to kind of bridge the gap and, um, you know, lend people out. So, so let me ask you this, is this like only through your church or are there other like companies that do this or nonprofits? So this is the first time I've ever heard of it, and um, it's only through my church right now. But quite honestly, it doesn't require anything other than somebody to organize. If you have one person organize, it's just a volunteering opportunity, right? So if you happen to know somebody, for instance, who's fostering, and you're like, you know what, I want to try out this idea, maybe volunteer to be the organizer. And literally all that is is sending out emails to everybody who wants to be on the team so you can keep everybody in the loop and managing a calendar. It's as simple as that. And then, you know, you just start to reach out and find people who might be interested. Hey, would you be okay cooking this family dinner one night a month? Cool. Would you want to be more involved? Great. 
let's talk about how you can be more involved, you know, and, and working with the family to see what their needs are and how you can best support them. And it's just like anything else, you know, the first few times you do it, the family doesn't necessarily even know what to ask for. And you may not even know how to support them. But the more time you spend with each other, the more things you try, like you'll start to learn each other really well. Um, the kiddos all get used to seeing you. So you become another extension of their support. Um, you know, somebody else to love on them, which who doesn't want that? You know what I mean? So it just, it, it will evolve over time. It won't be perfect on the get-go, but um, it's it's just such an incredible opportunity, I think, as a community to support one another. And it doesn't have to be just for foster families. I know a friend of mine was part of a care team at church and she knew a family who had a child with disabilities. And she's like, you know, we should be doing this for them too. We could totally transfer this to that situation. Um, and so again, it, it it's only as limited as your imagination. You, you could apply this principle to anybody. Um, and I know people who are foster parents, they have a care team, but they're also part of a care team for another foster family. So they can support each other. So it's just, it's just been such an incredible, incredible thing for yeah, me. I mean, this is, that's one of those things where I think people don't think about it often enough, but that's what makes a community right that's that's what brings people together that's what you know th these are the type of things that heal wounds and especially what you hear about going on in the news and all that kind of stuff right now it's it's you know there's, there's people i think that are just generally on edge um and i think these are the these are the little small wins that i think can over time not only like heal the current generation but instill positivity and that nurturing vibe to future generations which absolutely actually use it just open your eyes right just open your eyes there's always somebody that you can support and love on yeah that was a really great um that was a really great story and just kind of thought there like a care team for for people is just amazing um well we're at the end of our time i really just want to take a moment to thank bonnie for everything that she, you know she's provided for us today it was a fantastic um episode that i really agree with um so um i hope you can come and join us again because that was really good oh it's so much fun i loved it <laughs> <laughs> wonderful well thank you guys um as far as all of our listeners for for tuning into this episode as always, you can find us at www.ideaprive.live, um, as well as all on the social medias uh, using the handle at Ideaprive as well. Continue the conversation, join in, chip in what's going on with your community, and we'll chat with you next time. 